welcome to the DHG podcast series with a focus on life beyond numbers with topics about people, careers and flexibility. And now, here's your host, our Director of Corporate Communications and All Things Fun, Alice Gray Harrison. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of our DHG podcast series. I'm Alice Gray Harrison, your host, and I love this venue because we get to hear about the things that matter the most to us, our careers, flexibility, and of course, stories about our people. As we celebrate Women's History Month here at DHG, we're doing a four-part Path to Partner series featuring inspirational interviews with some of our most esteemed female leaders. We've selected partners at various stages in their career to provide their perspective and insight into their own career path and career path for women. Joining me today is Cindy McMaster. Cindy's a tax partner in our Richmond, Virginia office. Her focus includes cost segregation studies, optimization of tax accounting methods and periods, tax accruals for financial statements, IRS audits, and state representation. Cindy is a successful partner here at DHG with 25 plus years experience, and she'll enter retirement in the next seven to 10 years or so. And she represents someone who really embraces change because just three years ago, you know, after 20 plus years, she moved to an entirely new market. So she moved from South Carolina to Virginia. And I'm super excited to um, have you here today. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you. That was great. Okay, so let's begin with an easy question, or at least what I think might be an easy question. What made you choose being a tax accountant as your career? Well, I can't say that I knew when I grew up that I wanted to be a tax accountant. Actually, my goal was just to graduate high school. It wasn't until my senior year of high school that I decided I should go to college. And I was the first in my family to go to college, and I was number seven in the line of 10 children. So then out of high school, I received an associate's degree and went to work for a law firm in upstate New York. It was while working for this law firm that I decided to go back to school. One of the partners at the law firm was a mentor to me and encouraged me to further my education. So at this point, I knew I wanted to be an accountant. I really enjoyed my cost accounting class in college and thought I was going to go to work for a manufacturer. Other students shared that when I was in school that they were going for their CPA license, so I decided that was something I should do too. (laughs) So when I started with my first job in public accounting, I was doing both audit and tax. And after a couple of years, the firm hired a full-time assurance person from KPMG and moved me into a tax-only role. So it really wasn't my decision, but I was completely fine with it. So the tax work seemed easier and made sense to me. I know that was a long answer to a fairly simple question. Well, first, wow, (laughs) one of 10 children. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And two, I can't believe that you ended up in accounting because of peer pressure. That's fabulous. I I love it. I know. It worked marvelously. (laughs) Okay. I never would have guessed that in a million years. So I mentioned in my intro that you recently, or I mean, I consider three years recent, moved to our Richmond, Virginia market. What spurred this decision and what's it been like to begin in a new market? Um, The opportunity to transfer to Richmond initially came about by, I believe, me checking the mobility box 
yes on my <laughs> annual IVP. From there, it came up that Richmond had a need for a partner transfer due to some upcoming partner retirements, and Mike Crawford and Tricia Wilson approached me about considering a transfer. There were lots of discussions and meetings surrounding this decision, as you can well imagine. I distinctly recall a trip with my husband to visit Richmond and meet the partners there. I thought we would have like endless conversation about the transfer on our travel home. Instead, we both rode in complete silence, just analyzing our own thoughts about the opportunity. And during this final decision process, my husband would say something that would make me feel like he didn't want me to accept it, and at other times, like he did want me to go. And then finally, I said to him, I think it feels right to move to Richmond. He said, great. This is what I've been waiting for you to say. Aww. To, I guess, answer your second part of your question, what has it been like to be in a new market? I definitely underestimated the challenges that go along with moving to a new city. Yeah. Ha- having entirely new staff and clients to serve as well. Oh, and to do that in the beginning of January, <laughs> our busy season. Right. <laughs> My expression was that it felt like I was drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. Uh, but as the days and months and now years have passed by, my comfort level definitely it has increased. And I'm grateful for all the great the folks in TVA that help me network and include me on their pursuit teams and make me feel a part of their team. Mm-hmm. And for me, I you know look back and I think this, this was just a great career move for me as it provided me with an opportunity to lead a much bigger tax team, right. to have other tax partners in my office to collaborate with, mm-hmm. and then ultimately to have the amazing opportunity to serve on the firm's executive committee last yes. year. Yes, absolutely. And you know, Richmond's a great city, so I know that you're enjoying being in Richmond as well. Oh, absolutely. Just a, a wonderful, creative community as well. Yes. So, okay, so let's move on. Let's talk a little bit directing us towards Women's History Month. So as a female in the industry with many years experience, what would you say has been the most challenging aspect of being a female in a male-dominated industry? Well, let's see. I moved from New York to South Carolina in the late 90s, just to kind of frame it at a, a time. And I joined DHG in 2000. If I recall correctly, three out of the 30 partners at the firm were female when I started. So it kind of seemed like the odds were in my favor at uh, making partner right. at, at a 1 to 10 odds. Yeah. C-suite executives at that time were male. Right. Most networking clubs were male. I was the second female president at a club in Spartanburg uh, that was 80 years old. Wow. There were instances in a few client meetings where I felt like a secretary Mm. there to take notes rather than be an important part of the conversation. So I decided I needed to be more assertive and confident that I was intelligent and had something to contribute as well. And reflecting back now, I believe being seen and heard as an equal was probably the biggest challenge then. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I was just on a call the other day and someone was coaching an, another female who's a partner saying, don't ask if you can be a part of the conversation. Just be a part of the conversation. So, so maybe still somewhat existent today. I mean, you know, I think it's also part of our nature as women, you know, mm-hmm. and we need to, to, to know that it's OK. Mm-hmm. Be a part of the conversation. Right. 
So at DHG, we lead with the word inclusion when we talk about inclusion and diversity. You know, in the rest of the world, I think most people lead with diversity. So what are some of the things that people can do to foster a more inclusive work environment that, you know, really, to go back to your answer to the previous question, makes women feel like it's okay to speak up and have a seat at the table? I think that's a great question. One of the things I try to do is to be more transparent with our people about my own life. I feel like if I'm real with them, that they will feel more comfortable and more open to, you know, share you know, their thoughts and, and speak up, if you will. And then I think when people are talking, we really need to make sure we're listening. You know, don't be thinking about the next task or how much time it has been. Really just invest in the person and listen to what they're sharing with you. And I think because I believe being heard makes people know that they are being included. My last suggestion might be to make it a point to remember the name of their spouse and children and to periodically ask about them. I I believe people want to work with others who who know that they care about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. And, And I think that we work in a very special place where our culture, you know, definitely sets the precedent that, that that's that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Since we're celebrating Women's History Month, do you think that there are unique obstacles or barriers that women continue to face today in 2019? And do you have any advice for overcoming these barriers? Well, I think that, you know, women enter the workforce in their 20s. And by their 40s, potentially have to take multiple leaves to birth their children and to nurture them. And this continues to be a challenge as compared to our male coworkers who don't necessarily have to push the pause button Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. This is not likely something that we as women can overcome since it is, like I think you mentioned earlier, our role in nature. This is kind of who we are. Mm -hmm. And when you know, I reflect back when my children were young, I heard the phrase guilty working mother syndrome yeah. and that described me to a T. My advice to get beyond this feeling might be to set priorities. You know, know what you want. Knowing what you want allows you to say no. And you give yourself permission. And I know I read a book a while back about how to say no, you know. And I know, I know there's some great books out there to kind of learn how to set those boundaries. And then recognize that you can't do everything yourself self in outdoors. Yes. You know, there are many services for cooking and cleaning and child care and to make sure you use them and don't try to be, you know, the superhero. And then delegate. You know, I think delegation to the people on your team um, helps them grow and develop. And, you know, if the task might be a little bit more challenging, they're going to feel like they're growing. And, and I think this applies to your team at home as well. So, you know, your daughter may not know how to fold laundry at yeah. seven, but you can have her do it. It may not be perfect, but it'll be done. That's right. I think at top of my advice list is to take care of your health. You know, women tend to take care of everyone but themselves. So to get exercise, sleep, meditate, you know, et cetera. If if you're not at your physically best, you can't perform as a super at a superstar level mm-hmm. at work or at home. What great advice. You hit on something earlier, thinking through barriers and priorities as a woman and 
You know, one of the things that I've had to learn as someone who has a five-year-old and did, you know, press pause later in my career, I was 38. I learned that, you know, they talk about women having it all. I don't know that you can ever have it all. You have to just define what it all is for you. And so like when I think about myself, I think, you know, for all for me is having an amazing family and time with my family and having an amazing career. And so when I defined those, I gave up some of those outside things. So, you know, some of the charity work and even some of the socializing. But for me, I figured out what was important to me and I got rid of other things that might have been barriers to my success in those two areas that were important to me. So I I think your advice there is spot on. And I think also I would say that that changes. So as your children have different needs, as they grow, as they become adult children, and like me, I have grandchildren. (laughs) And so those things change too throughout, you know, three years ago when I had the opportunity to transfer to Richmond, I didn't have to consider moving my children or upsetting their lives in any way. It was really just about me and my husband. So it came at a perfect time to not be a more challenging decision. Um, because I didn't have to consider that. And, but now, you know, I have three lovely granddaughters and I, mm-hmm. I want to spend as much time with them as I can. So they became a shift of a priority for me yeah. as well. So I think it, it changes and just recognize that it's going to change and, and look for it to change. Um, I think it, it might be the only thing I would add. What great advice. Well, I have certainly enjoyed this conversation and and I know that, that those who listen will definitely take away some great advice. Thanks for joining us. Sure. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Life at DHG, our premier podcast series. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll tell your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our DHG blog for more great stories about our life beyond numbers. Join us next time for another edition of Life at DHG. Life at DHG.